Hey everybody and welcome once again to That Vintage Lens Podcast. We're back and we're here with an episode talking about what we can do to improve our craft. What can we do to keep adjusting, to keep changing, all of that fun stuff. Um, first off, I want to send you guys uh, to a couple places. First off, be sure to check out thatvintagelens.com. We have everything from blog posts there. We have the podcast listed there. We also have photos that all of us have taken um, on our trips, our travels, uh, all the fun that we have. It's all there. That's our hub, thatvintagelens.com. Also, feel free to check out our Facebook page. Like and subscribe there. And also check us out on Instagram. We have uh, a lot of fun updates there. That's where all of our photos kind of go through. So all four of us post there. So uh, yes, I'm here in the studio today with John Henry Keenan, Daniel Gebert, and Andy Adamas. And we are talking about, as I said, what can we do to constantly improve our craft? Um, Before we jump into that, as always... Let's talk about our updates. So, John Henry, you want to get us started? Updates since the past podcast? What have you been doing? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, the most successful development was precisely that, that I self-developed my first roll of film under the gentle tutelage of Mr. Daniel Gebert sitting across <laughs> from me. Nice, nice. It, it was an adventure. It had highs and lows. I laughed. I cried. Uh, Daniel and I were talking last night how apparently this happens to everyone you... I, you get a practice role. I had this role that just hadn't worked for some reason uh, early on in my photography career. So I had been saving it to to use for practice whenever I was going to self-develop. So I did that in the dark bag, got it onto the roll, and I was thinking, man, this isn't so bad. And then when I went to put my actual role on the film, it took me a lot longer and uh, the role got a little scratched up in the process, which I think uh, we all agreed actually helped some of the pictures. Mm. It was a, <laughs> well, no, it was a Ilford HP5 role. Uh, we had some shots from a rodeo. I think I put some on our Instagram that yeah. I was at with you, Brandon. And uh, actually, the scratches really added to that mystique of it, it looked like some found film from the 1800s or something. Nice. But in any case, it was a very positive experience. Um, well, maybe I should say negative experience. <laughs> uh, and I can't wait to get going with it again. I just have to figure out what scanning solution I want, and then mm. I'll be ordering the chemicals and the developing bin and all the rest of that mm-hmm. and starting to do it at my own place. Nice. What uh, scanning options are you looking at? Well, I'm leaning towards the uh, uh, flatbed scanner. Nice. For a while, I had been intending to get the... Um, Oh, the the Nikon. Yeah, the Ni- the yeah. Nikon thing. But then I would have needed uh, the right lens for it, plus an adapter sure. to go on my Canon. And although it would work perfectly for me right now, I do intend to uh, to do more medium format very soon within the next few months. And at that point, I would need another mm. scanner. So I think I'll probably just go with a flatbed of some kind from yeah. the get go, and then I know I'll be future proofed. Yeah, and what he's talking about the Nikon adapter. Um, Nikon puts out the ES two. Uh, ES2 and uh, what that is is it's a uh, an, an adapter that goes on the front of a macro lens it's a Nikon macro lens that you need um, and you can take photos of your uh, your negatives um, with the slide that they include there which is fantastic because uh, it's super fast I mean it's a fraction of a second that you actually need to do it compared mm-hmm. to um, a flatbed scanner uh, and then you take it into Lightroom and use what is it Negative Lab Pro yep. to, to flip it and it works great I mean yeah. you, you have an image so fast um, compared to the long uh, the lengthy process involved with the flatbed however the downside is you can't do it for medium format so mm-hmm. 
it's not really a viable option if you want to choose one solution for scanning in your film and you shoot both so yeah yeah it is the it is in my opinion the best way to scan 35 yeah by far fastest yeah. you get raw capabilities technically you mm-hmm. know and not, not according to our boy matt day what is matt i think matt day is a big proponent proponent of dslr scanning he um, uses that um he uses a that fuji kodak yeah, so he he has a bunch of different scanning solutions. He's, He's got the a, pack on, the pack on, which is go. very fast, uh, but you don't get quite as much flexibility in terms of uh, you want to edit your scans. And he also uses a Fuji XT3, I believe, and he has a permanently rigged to a scanning, you know, basically like a yeah. DSLR scanning rig, mm-hmm. very similar to the Nikon. Yeah, um, and that's he says that's the best way that he knows to to scan thirty five mm-hmm. in terms of flexibility and resolution. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, Daniel. What's new in my life? Um, I my dad told me that there were um, some negatives that had been floating around in the family for a while that he had tracked down, and my grandfather um, was being honored in Wisconsin for um, his military service and this big uh, celebration, uh, kind of like a memorial thing, and my dad wanted some prints of uh, my grandfather to to bring to like basically for his memorial mm-hmm. and he had this box of negatives of my grandfather and photos that my grandfather took of other people and i think in the photo in the photo world it's kind of like the the dream right is like mm-hmm. oh a big old box of negatives of your of your relatives that matter and and, yeah. and it happened it just you know he's like yeah i got a bunch of envelopes from kodak that i don't think they're scanned or anything but wow and it was all medium format wow so it, I can scan it that. on my flatbed, and I scanned in maybe a dozen, dozen eighteen photos or something, mm-hmm. and they all t- turned out really good. And it, it was mm. just a great day spending with my dad and my mom, looking at these old photographs, looking at the negatives, like, "Oh, who is that? Is that you think that's the neighbor?" And my dad would be like, "I don't know. I'd have to ask my aunt." And it's just you know, it just kind of got the conversation going of, "Man, these photos are so old, and they mean so much to the family, but like no one's seen them in." 60 mm-hmm. years yeah um and of course because it's film the image quality is spectacular oh, of course um we can't track down exactly what camera took all those images oh, yeah. which would I, I think be the dream um oh, yeah. but you find that in a box oh gosh somewhere. yeah it's like, <laughs> probably works flawlessly and yeah. all that but so that was one big thing um another is i've been really kind of admiring less professional film especially on medium format. Mm-hmm. So for the longest time, I was all about Portra. I still am all about Fuji Pro 400H. Still am so all about HP5. You know, I, I love all those films. Obviously, they have great latitude, but I've been testing out a couple of films that are much more contrasty, much more saturated on the color side and on the black and white side, just like films that have more personality. Mm-hmm. And I've been loving it. Like I, man, I tried Fomapan and I tried Lomo 800 and some ultra max on 35 and i'm like dang this film has so much personality yeah i feel like i don't have to do quite as much editing and the film just kind of looks how i think it should look way quicker mm-hmm. and i've been i've been loving that so i'm i'm gonna try to follow that rabbit hole as, as far as i you know as far as it'll go and see yeah. what happens which is a great thing about film you can switch up as many times and it's not yeah. it's not the same thing as Oh, I'm using a different Lightroom preset because when you do that, you're you're not adjusting the way that you're shooting. You're just mm-hmm. you know 
adjusting things in post this right. this really changes the way that you shoot yeah you're in the field and you're like you know what that shot would look great on this film right yeah, yeah we, exactly we, you know we talk about um it's funny we have like the text chain that that we send photos to each other you know routinely and whatnot and who said it a while back it was like oh happy portrait sky day or oh, something yeah because yeah, <laughs> yeah because you go out and you look at the sky and you're you know if you've been shooting in particular films for a while yeah. you know how something looks and it's like oh that that would be perfect on portrait yeah so yeah a great thing about film being able to switch out the negative or the the, the stock that you're using yeah and yeah it's a it's like having a new camera exactly yeah it's been fun mm-hmm so we're going to see some of those on the gram. A few, a few have already been on picks. the gram, um, but more to come. Definitely, they definitely. have been a couple. Yeah, from the Foma Pan, and I haven't gotten wait, wait, the your Lomo stuff up yet. Pictures. Oh, that. Um, no, I'm waiting to get more of the negatives. My dad has a lot more that he wants to okay. scan with me. So mm-hmm. once we go through like the full collection, I think there will be more of those on there. Do you think he has anything from being deployed? There's definitely there's definitely mil- military photographs in there. Um, those are the ones we haven't gone through yet. Nice and kind of the ones I'm most excited for. Yeah, yeah. Andy updates. Well, I it's been so long. Did we talk about where I went? I don't, I don't, I don't think I, don't think, so. I think it was no. immediately before you'd gone. Yeah. So for a week I was in. Where did I go again? <laughs> Some national was, park. Uh, I went to Yosemite. That's where I went. Yosemite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty boring place, right? Super boring, man. Nothing they have to that do. big rock called Lieutenant there. Yeah. Yeah. El Lieutenant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, if you can't find something to take a picture, <laughs> if you can't find a place to take a picture there, then uh, you're probably blind because there are so many places or so many things that catch your eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some great panoramas. I got one really good one mm-hmm. that Daniel helped me put together. I saw the files on the computer. Did you? Yeah. I, so. I was I was going through and resetting the computer and removing unnecessary stuff on there, and I saw the photos. I'm like, ah, these are Andy's medium <laughs> format panorama shots. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, there was one because... So that was on top of Sentinel Dome, which if you haven't been to Sentinel Dome, it's and you don't climb or do anything like that, it's pretty terrifying because... Mm. Uh, you're i think you're over six thousand feet up or seven thousand feet up and while you do most of the driving to get there it's the actual hike up the dome itself because there's no you know it's it's pretty steep and flat Mm -hmm. so you can slide very easy Mm. and when you're up there Let's put it this way: there is there is a, a hawk or an eagle or something like that gliding on top of Sentinel Dome, just like chilling, just there with with us. So you can just see him yeah, with with the draft, like riding the air currents. Yeah, right in the currents. Oh, geez. So it's a like great it, place, like at eye level. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. So and people were having their lunch up there. Sure. And uh, I saw uh, some young ladies that were trying to tempt fate and fall over uh-huh. because they're like, let me get this great picture. Mm-hmm. And they're doing like the peace sign and everything way too close to the edge. Kids, it's not worth it. So it's a great place to take your children and just yes. let them run around and play. Go ahead, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing could happen. Um, I brought my one, or I shouldn't say I did. My wife brought our one and a half year old up there which people kind of gave us the side eye and we're like, are you nuts? You're like, maybe a little bit. Yeah. There is this Russian couple. They're like, you got us beat. We brought our two year old up here once. 
And I was like, awesome. There you so, go. Yeah, he loved it up there rights. too. Yeah. Uh-huh. What cameras did you take? Uh, you know, I took the GH5, um, the Bronica, and the Elon 7. Nice. So Shot all three? Shot all three. Really didn't use the 35 that much. Um, shot 16 rolls while I was there oh. over a week. That's crazy. Nice. So I think that might beat my record. Yeah? It might. It happened real quick, too. It, it, for a while, I was like, I didn't shoot and i was like oh am, am I all in get one day <laughs> no but it was uh and then just like everyone had, had developed i developed all 16 of those roles mm-hmm. in my kitchen and by myself uh it was a great learning experience mm-hmm. so that's one way to figure it out nice just watching youtube videos and you can do it yeah there you so, go it was fun good i would go back Good. Yeah. I haven't I haven't been in many, many years. Yeah. Would want I haven't been since I've been taking photos, so it'd be nice yeah. to uh to go back, see. Um take a that vintage lens pilgrimage out to yeah. Yosemite or something. Yes. <laughs> that will go as a group. They have this thing called I don't know if it's across the country in national parks, it's called something camping, dispersion camping mm. or oh forgot it someone's gonna be like it sounds this guy. unhygienic. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it's basically you can pull over and park wherever you want and camp there for the night. Okay, yeah. Because did uh, you guys do that? Yeah, we actually we had a we rented a van from yeah the from camper van or something like that, and oh, actually had a yeah. sink and bed in there. Mm-hmm. And so if we saw a place that we wanted, escape camper vans or something. Yeah, yeah. Escape, I, yeah, I follow them on Instagram. They're a great group. Yeah. Um, yeah, that so. sounds a lot. What we should do one of these days, I think, would be a cool a cool trip. The four of us should go somewhere. Each person choose one camera and one film stock to shoot the entire time. All, and they all have to be different cameras, different film stocks. And compare photos afterward. See what the different... Because, you know, like we talked about earlier, each film stock, you mm-hmm. shoot it a little bit differently mm-hmm. based on the characteristics. Um, and so seeing the differences in the photos Didn't would be Didn't we cool. do that once? Uh, I mean, we kind of... Yeah, we're, we're so eventually we're going to be... Um, we're going to be circling back to the episode that we had on the uh, unique film swap. Um, so we, we have one more film role to develop and then we'll be all It'll good. It'll be our, our one year anniversary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a very unique stock. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, so I mean, the reason unique. that one's waiting is because we had to have specific developer and, and fixer. Um, maybe it's just the developer, but developer. specific chemicals coming mm-hmm. back for that one that you can't really just use any chemicals on. So, yeah. Um, no yeah. coffee beans. No coffee beans one. for this one. None, none or of the beer. beer. I saw that, someone doing. Beer. I know that one. That's fun. Beer and coffee. Yeah. So on my end, um, there's yeah. always stuff that's developing. Um, I think uh, everyone wants to know what did you buy. What did I buy? What did you buy? Well, no one nothing. knows the latest thing that I bought. What? Wait, I, maybe I maybe you showed me. I don't know. Did I? What, what, you showed what me mission? a light meter. Oh, well, yeah. I, so I picked up a light meter super cheap. I so was remember in, last time in Indiana. we did this, mm-hmm. Brandon was like, I can't buy anything. I know. That worked out not well <laughs> um, because I have ideas and I decide to do things. Um, well, I'll start with the stuff that, I'm, that I haven't bought. So the uh, Leica that I mentioned last time, that one's in the shop right now. Um, don't worry, it didn't drop it. Nothing <laughs> happened to it. It's just in for a CLA. So they're um, one thousandth of a second skips or sticks a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, that's in. Um, 
picked up a light meter. So I had an old, I have a couple light meters that are not working. And so I've just been using my phone for a while. Um, but I finally decided that, you know what, I'm picking up another light meter. Didn't go as fancy as I could have, but I picked up a, it was like 25 bucks, a, a Gossen, uh, Gossen, Gossen. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember, uh, I can't remember the model number, but it, it was like 25 bucks. Mm. It does what I need it to. Super easy. Sure. An incident, incident meter or is a spot meter? Both. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you should be able to, you can switch between them. Yeah. That's, awesome. um, that's amazing. So it'll, yeah, it'll, it's a nice little meter. It sure as heck isn't the most current technology, but in the end it's film. And as long as I'm not shooting on uh, slide film, then I'll, I'll get close right. enough. Um, what I did pick up, so Daniel and I went shooting last week uh, just after work um, to Robbins, Illinois, just to get some cool shots there, a small dying town mm-hmm. not too far away from where we all work. Um, and we were, I was telling Daniel about how in college, uh, my roommate and I used to go to Gary, Indiana. We would go to Detroit. We would go to Muncie, Indiana. All these places in the Midwest that are kind of dying out that were once these these big industrial hubs and are now kind of a shell of what they once were. Um, and I've got, gosh, probably 5,000 photos from some of those trips, um, specifically Gary, Indiana and Detroit. Um, and I, I've been sitting on them for so long. They were taken before I was... Well, I, I wasn't as developed of a photographer at the time. Um, they were taken on a decent camera with a crappy lens uh, on a 5D Mark III. Um, but I've just been kind of sitting on them and haven't really done much with them. I originally came up with like these photo books that I wanted to that I wanted to get printed. That you know, I did research into each location that we went to. I could tell you when the building was built, when the company was founded, when it went out of business, why it went out of business, and then kind of showing um, what state it was in then. Um, but so, uh, Daniel and I were talking, and I was like, we have to go back, you know, we have to go there. Um, cause I have to show you so many of these places. Like every time we go and film something, mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, you know, it'd be great to shoot this in an abandoned hospital. I'm like, I know where one is. I've still got it tagged on Apple maps. So, um, yeah, so Daniel and I were talking about going back shooting in Gary, which I think we should like the four of us go and, and shoot mm-hmm. there. That'd be great. Um, but we were talking about shooting it in medium format and, what we don't have is a wide angle lens for medium format. So I had to fix that and I picked one up. Oh. Um, Did you get the 45? I went with the 40 mil for the Bronica nice. because I had okay. a feeling nice. what I didn't want to do. I knew that, that you're probably at some point going to get the wide angle for the Mamiya. Yeah. At some point. And I was like, I can't pick up the same lens mm-hmm. and I love, I still love shooting on my Bronica S2A. So I picked up the 40 mil Nikkor, uh, for that one. It's a, it's a, um, F four lens. Um, but it's apparently really sharp. Um, it's, it was supposed to come in today. It's delayed till tomorrow. So um, I was hoping to have it for this. Hence why we haven't seen anything. Hence why you haven't seen anything. That's going to be really fun. But yeah, it's got the. It's like the equi- uh, the equivalent of a twenty-two millimeter mm-hmm. lens. Nice. Um, and some of those places are just they need a wide angle lens to show yeah. it off. So I, I just posted one of the shots um, on the Instagram um, yesterday, today, something like that. Did you just say the Instagram? I, I was going to say on the website, <laughs> on Instagram, um, from the initial trip um, when I, and I had just started shooting film, so that's it's been a while. But um, but yeah, so I do want to go back, yeah, and take for, photos there. So I'm, that's I'm been pumped. kind of the biggest development. I've also been shooting some more fun stocks too. Mm-hmm. Um, to shot a little bit of double film 
which I was actually thrilled with. Uh, the Sunstroke. Yeah. Um, I posted some of those photos looked awesome. Yeah, it just adds a little bit of character to it. It's got that vintage vibe. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, and then I've been shooting. I kind of switched off portrait just to give myself a break, and I'm shooting a lot more Ultramax right mm-hmm. now. Um, I just love a little bit of the character that it brings. And Ultramax is great. Probably one of my favorite things to shoot is Ultramax and my Canonette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the way that those two things interact is, mm-hmm. is quite special. Yeah. yeah. And then I've been shooting. I'm trying to get back into Sinistil a little bit um, because, uh, you know, I, I had some issues with it at one point and got away from it. And I'm trying to give it another chance mm-hmm. and get back into Sinistil. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You're not a fan of Sinistil? I, I love the look of it, but there are certain things. So like when I was in the Philippines, I shot a roll and I got four pictures in. And, I, and I'm guessing that because of either the layers they remove oh, okay. or the fact that it, they don't have as large of a facility as like Kodak or whatever, it was wound too tightly. Mm. And so my Canon 1V, which has an auto return, uh, thought that it was the end of the roll three or four pictures in and that was my last roll and we were just going to the most beautiful spot so i was very irritated that i lost the last roll that i had uh right before we were about to take what i I took the photos on digital and they were my favorite photos of the trip Mm. and it's like if only i'd I'd had the film running at that point um that and there were just a couple things a couple times where i don't think the still look lended itself well to the shots that i was taking yeah and so i was like i Portrait is a safer choice, mm-hmm. um, and so I just kind of went back to that when I wasn't thrilled with the photos I was getting. But um, I'm trying 800T again because I haven't tried that in a while, and seeing if I just love the photos from that. Um, yeah, trying new stuff there. I have had a roll of 800T and 50D sitting in my film box basically since I got Mamma Mia because mm-hmm. they're 120, and I just am so nervous to shoot them because I'm like, oh, these are expensive rolls and they have a cool look. Mm-hmm. The time has to be right. Mm-hmm. And I've, it's never been right. Yeah. I'm always just too nervous. I'm like, oh, it's not going to be the, the best photos, but I just got to like shoot it and just move on. Yeah. Well, so we're kind of talking a little bit about it. So let's get on to the topic. How do we keep um, improving our style? How do we keep from getting stale in our approach, I guess, is one way of putting it. Mm. Um, what are each of us doing to make sure that we are constantly changing, constantly developing? I, that's That wasn't intentional, <laughs> but sure. Constantly <laughs> developing in our craft. John Henry joke. Um, I think something yeah. that lends itself to like constantly improving your craft is the, the flip side for me is constantly being discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, because when it comes to photography, there's basically two uh, like mindsets that I have. I'm either really inspired by something that I've seen or I'm really discouraged by something that I've seen. Like I, it's just photographs that are so good and they're done by people that are younger than me or, or you know, my peers. And I'm like, gosh, these are so good. I, I literally could not have taken a photograph this good. And that feels really bad. Um, but then there are also ways of getting around that. And I think those, I, I mean, maybe this is true for you guys as well, but there's like, there's ways of doing both for me. And I'm curious to see what you guys say about that was was it one of you recently who was sharing a quote with me that i've been pondering it's, it speaks to what you were just mentioning someone else's success is not your failure yeah mm-hmm. so i i get the feeling because yeah. i i have that feeling too where you see stuff on instagram or from your peers and you think wow i can't take pictures like that yeah but then one one way i get around it is just get the inspiration from it all three of you guys inspire me all the time to do oh. better but then you also realize 
I sometimes take pictures that that person couldn't have taken, right? right? Exactly. Because I think you want to like grow and learn from other people. But even the more you do that, you come to realize what's unique about you. Mm. So you incorporate little bits and pieces from other things. And then you realize, like, I have this way of shooting that, you know, my landscapes don't look like that. But I have an eye for this certain mm -hmm. you know, aspect of cities or people that mm -hmm. I'm good at pulling out. So learning to recognize that and then develop it further is one way to grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, one of the big things, definitely what Daniel said, and then also... I, I think what I've found really helps me is once I like something, I know I have to change something. If I mm. take a photo and I'm like, I love the way that looks, or like we we talked er, we talked earlier about um, how you know you walk out and you're like, oh, I know exactly what that would look like on Portra. Now I know I can't shoot it on Portra because you're comfortable with it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. there are so many times when I love the way that something looks, or I'm like, oh, I love the way that I compose that. Or I love the way that I'm doing landscapes right now. I need to find something else to shoot than landscapes. Yeah. So lately it's been a lot more street portraiture because that's not where I'm as mm. comfortable. Um, it's also shooting different, uh, you know, if I get comfortable with square format, then I know I need to shoot two by three or I know I need to grab something else. So it's, it's kind of that hunger to, I guess, master it all in a sense, mm -hmm. but also knowing that I, I'm never going to reach that. So yeah. just when, I, when I'm when i feeling good about something, either brushing up on something that I feel less certain about or trying something new. Sometimes that means picking something new up. A lot of times it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it usually does when it means film. Um, but like sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm loving the way that I'm shooting wides. I need to shoot something entirely on an 85 yeah. or something along those lines where it's just, I don't know how this is going to look, but I'm going to limit myself in this new way. Yeah. Um, like I, I started carrying an 85 lens and there was one time I, I was recently at Venice beach in uh, out by LA. Huh. Um, yeah. Venice beach. Yeah. Right? I was in Venice beach and all I had was an 85 yeah. and it was like, <laughs> it was dude, this is literally the worst lens I could have right now. I know. Right. No, I was, <laughs> I was there for nice. I, I was there for a job and we were waiting for some renderings and I was like, How long do you think this is gonna take? They're like, Ah, it's probably gonna take us an hour and a half or so. Mm. Well, it was right around sunset. I'm like, Great. You keep doing that. Since I'm not doing anything, I'm going to the beach for half an hour. So we went over to Venice Beach, um, and as I was getting out of the car, I had the thirty five, which I always have a thirty five on my F three. It just never changes. Mm -hmm. Um Well the I, lens changes, it's just if it's F2 or now F14. Well, sure. Yes. No, I, I know. I did pick up the 1.4 at one point. Um, but I decided to just throw the 85 on and I left the 35 in the car. And it might not seem like a big thing, but there's there's always like, you know, I'm not at Venice Beach or out in LA all the time. And so I think we have this tendency, the same reason that, that people gravitate towards a zoom lens. What if... What if I need something different? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just pushing yourself to, no, I've got the 85, I'm gonna make this work. And so there's there were a lot of situations where I wish I wished I'd had the 80 or the 35 while I was out there, but you sit and go, okay, I don't have that. How can I grow by by those limitations? Yeah. Um, so I know that I, I said no, a bunch of stuff in there, it but it resonates yeah. with me like very, very acutely. Um, like artificial constraints or like constraints you put on yourself. And same thing with filmmaking. That's why 24 hour and 48 hour film fests are the most fun thing in the universe. Right. right. Because you have constraints put on you. And film you're basically, fest? 
like film fest okay. uh, for, for some short reason films. My, my brain went to photography and i was like why isn't oh, that out there well it gotcha. probably should be a thing but well, <laughs> um, yeah, we ran into the guy where was he in uh, oh yeah it was in nashville uh, in nashville who who runs i can't remember his name i can't remember either um, wouldn't that be dope if there was a competition and they would be like you have okay you can come in and there's these really expensive prizes you know, like or whatever sure. for a grand prize but the thing is you only get one roll and you got to come in and we give you your camera interesting so it's just a bunch That's, of different cameras it kind of sounds like protog cheap cam that kai used to do it could be the it could be right, a garbage hello kitty right like exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i i, I like that idea a lot yeah and let's then, do it I'll donate my Leica. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's not happening. Sorry, go ahead. Didn't believe that for a second. No, um, just the idea of like artificial constraints mm-hmm. because it, it forces you to think outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, it's like something that I've talking to my friend Cody about a lot recently is like when we started this whole crazy endeavor of filmmaking and photography, it's once it stops being, once it stops being fun, it's time to like rethink something mm-hmm. because if it's not being fun, if you feel like you're being pressured, if you, you know, like just getting really down about something like you just got to change it up. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you on all the, all the things you said. Mm-hmm. And the limitation is sort of inherent to the art, right? Mm-hmm. Cause if there wasn't an edge of the frame, there couldn't be a picture. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. Why I don't like range finders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say this, this isn't entirely on topic, but shooting that Leica has been the most fun I have had shooting a 35 mil camera. Wow. It, there, if I, it wasn't, would it be a thing? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm yeah, being, I, I'm being yeah, genuinely I don't know. serious. I, like, I, I think there's an element of it that's like, Hey, I just invested a, a bunch of money and so it better be fun. But also just like the feel of the camera. It, yeah. was, it was so, I'm so used to, SLRs, yeah, mm-hmm. and so switching to a rangefinder, it was a different feel, um, and I think just the compactness and it, it feels like a different mm-hmm. art. It's like a yeah. different machine. Yeah, I th- it's. Yeah. I mean, the part that really every time I've tried with the rangefinder, I like I appreciated your digital Fuji, mm-hmm. but I am left eye dominant, so that kind of just like throws a wrench in things yeah. when I get behind a. Just cover your entire face well, with a camera. My nose is all smashed up on the lens or <laughs> mm-hmm. the back and everything like that. I'm like, I can't get comfortable. All right, so and the the way that Andy has to break out of his comfort zone is only having a rangefinder for like a month. <laughs> yeah, a rangefinder, and I'll year. shoot everything in portrait. Right, <laughs> just like, or could yeah. you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything is. Well, it's funny speaking of equipment because I, I think it's become a running joke, right? That I'm always picking up something new. It's not a joke, it's not a Brandon. Joke. It really happens. It, yeah, it's a running joke because it happens. It's, it's like, <laughs> you buy a house. There's yeah, you buy I a know. dog. Brandon's uh, purchase is not your robbery. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but I think part of part of it for me isn't just like there's not. I don't have the gear acquisition syndrome in the same sense that some people might. I don't think that any of these things is going to improve my photography mm-hmm. in the sense, that, oh, I'm going to be able to get a better picture on this Leica than I, I would be on, you know, F3. Uh, on the F3. No, that's one of the things that I'm always talking about is, you know, the with film, the great thing is that you're, that what really makes the picture is that lens and the film stock itself, you know, mm-hmm. the body or whatever else isn't going to allow you to get a better image necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it has more to do with 
finding like challenging myself with different things. It's it's the same reason that I started shooting um, 110 film mm-hmm. or that I, you know, I'll pick up like a $5 camera someplace and just like, like I picked up that Russian camera. The Zenit? Um, the, the Zenit E, yeah. Zenit. The the thing is a piece of crap in a lot of ways. Uh, in other ways, it's, it's a great challenge. But like, it has the Take foggiest, back everything you've said. Yes, no, it has the foggiest, <laughs> smallest viewfinder for an SLR. I think I might have ever used, <laughs> nice. and it is like impossible to focus that thing. I guarantee you that whole roll that I shot of it is going to be like slightly out of focus the entire time. But that's what I loved about it. Is yeah. it's, it's something new. It's it's not, um, it, yeah. I was just gonna say right along those lines. I was out shooting with Cody. Um, I think about a month ago, and he had this old Kodak Pony. I think. Oh, I know which one he's. Yeah, and it has a Same it has a one. little like a, a viewfinder, so to speak. But there's no way of focusing it other than distance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm gonna test something real quick." And he pulls out the pony. He's like, "This is all I'm bringing on our photo walk today." I'm like, "All right, uh, how does it work?" He's like, "Well, um, tell me how like far away I am in focus." So I would pull up my. Mamiya, mm-hmm. I would focus it and then I would check the distance scale on the lens. Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't know, about four feet. And he's like, perfect. That's what I guessed. All right, I'm good to go. And he would just shoot it and just guess focus distances. Yeah. yeah. Those photos were so good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang. That's an Andrew. Well, this is Adam amazing. Thing, so. yeah, that's what he's he taught. Yeah. Was, like, yeah. don't even have to check. Well, no, he's like, you should be looking at your lens and know your distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and there was, so like when I was, I was dropping off the Leica at Tamarkin. And he was showing me some of the older screw mount uh, Barnax, I guess, that he's got. Yeah, yep. um, and there was one, he's like, I've been trying to get rid of this thing and it, because it doesn't have a coupled viewfinder or a coupled um, uh, rangefinder. Yeah. It's just, and it doesn't even have a viewfinder. It's just a, a, a box. Yeah. And you have to add on the viewfinder on the top. Yeah. And a part of me, aside from the fact that I, I don't have more money to just keep throwing at things like i've, I've got Especially a list like a, you just I, bought a house i know i've got a list in order of things and i'm trying to stick to that so that i don't just pick up random stuff at random times yeah but and it's not on the list right now but it really appealed to me because it was like that would be a really fun way of doing things exactly what yeah. like what that pony is yeah where you're just you're going out and there's they're like extreme limitations you yeah. can't focus through the the range finder yeah. or through the lens so mm-hmm. it's yeah, I've thought the exact same thing about those Leicas without the rangefinder. Mm-hmm. I've thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Of course, it's a it's a very very expensive experiment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that one was 300, 400 bucks. So it's oh, okay. Not ridiculous, but it's still not like yeah. Oh yeah, I'll just yeah. throw just, a just few hundred there. Walk into Tamarkin, and buy it, come back later that day. This was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> buy it back, please. <laughs> yes. Um, he'd probably just let you borrow it though. You were gonna say something, John Henry. Oh, well, going off when you mentioned Ansel Adams, and I think even if you have a camera that has an easier focus mechanism, uh, Adams recommended practicing your distances, especially for street photography, so that like if you can guess the distance before you have to bring the camera up to your eye, that's less time that you're going to have a camera mm-hmm. in front of your face very obviously being taking a, taking a photo. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a great exercise to just get good at almost focusing before you even look through the viewfinder yeah yeah, yeah. great yeah. recommendation uh so if you have to up up your game in photography john henry recommends get good um <laughs> I, I, so i want to i want to add one thing that kind of answers my initial query which is like when you get when you are lacking for inspiration and you're really like kind of despairing in your photography the thing that always gets me kind of back on the horse so to speak is photo books print like pr- 
print photo books always are, give me inspiration and confidence to go out and shoot. Mm-hmm. Because so I picked up um, a new photo book um, by Dennis Hopper called uh, the Drugstore Camera, and I have Polaroids in the mail right now. And flipping through that book, the photos, some of them are just like not great because from a technical perspective, they're out of focus, they're blurry, they're soft, they're you know not really exposed super well. But the fact that it's printed on a page and it's you know it's a book, it's published, makes me think that there's probably some like deeper value here that I have to read into. And so I study it and it, it kind of communicates emotion to me that if I was on Instagram, you're never gonna get. Mm-hmm. And so flipping through these photo books, to me, just brings the whole process back down to like a ground level that I can I, you know, I can see eye to eye with it. I'm like, this is something approachable to me. Mm-hmm. I can go out and make beautiful, uh, beautiful images. And, you know, if I really put my mind to it, I could, it could be something that, that I could print and, you know, show to people and they'd be like, wow, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, so far, that's just been my saving grace is photo books. Mm-hmm. As well, opposed you, to Instagram. Sure. I think it probably the antithesis of Instagram. Yeah. Well, and even just getting prints with your developing or, or ordering oh, yeah. prints, I think it's it's a fun exercise too to get uh, to get prints of all of all of the photos that you take, mm-hmm. and you know there are going to be duds in there, but that's just an encouragement to try and get that perfect roll. You're never going to mm-hmm. get there. You're never going to have a, a, a 36 exposure roll that everyone is like. Okay, maybe someone could conceivably, if you take that much time, but like the average person is is not going to get to a point where you take a, an entire roll of film and every single one is an absolute gem. Right. But it's yeah. fun to shoot for that. Yeah. It's fun to aim for that. That's that's kind of the way that I shoot medium format. Mm-hmm. I shoot each one as if like that's going to be in a, in a, either a book or like an exhibition or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And with medium format, you have less chances to screw up. <laughs> exactly. So... So that's why you went six four five because you needed those three extra shots. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about going six nine. So well, that was, is true. Wow. What does that give you? Like seven? I think it's seven eight. Yeah. It's like eight. Uh, six seven is eight shots. So six mm-hmm. nine. It must be six or seven. Yeah. That's the Texas rangefinder. What do they call it? Something what? like that. The Texas Leica. Yeah. I think the is Texas the, Leica. That's one of them. There are the a Fuji? couple different. Bronica uh, has. Remember, we found that Bronica oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I was looking at the Fuji GW six ninety. Yeah, which, which is, is a rangefinder. Beast. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's a beast. I mean, really, anything you're talking about over six six is starting to get pretty darn large. But yeah, geez. beast mode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I think a big thing, honestly, is like we talked about limitations. What other things aside from limitations? I know we don't have a ton of time left, but can I add one more thing? Yeah. Do it change your location yeah um when i'm like really really you know in a rut in photography sometimes the thing that i need is like you know what i've never done is like taking a walk around my block Mm -hmm. and just kind of seeing what i can grab yeah and it sometimes it's the stuff that i've looked at a bunch of times sometimes i've driven past and think i want to shoot there and i never have so doing that but also just like get in your car and drive three hours in any direction you will find something worth photographing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you would never have photographed in the past. And maybe you you go one step further and you put a weird lens on or a weird film stock or maybe you, you know bring a camera that doesn't have a focus screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just like literally change where you are and you will probably be inspired to do something you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
any other recommendations for people who are just like in that rut they're trying to get out of it they don't know how but they but like the last thing that we want to tell someone to do is like oh you're feeling in a rut go buy something else oh yeah because as fun as that can be that's not sustainable for most of us um and it's not just i mean we we that's that's a, a cheap cop out Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I mean, it's it will give you. It, it's putting a bandage on the problem, right? Because eventually, if you continue to do that, you're going to run out of equipment to pick up, or it's just you're going to end up with a ton of cameras that you don't shoot, and and a third mortgage on your house. Exactly. Yeah, we're already on our second. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't even uh, moved in yet. But uh, I think one one thing I do is I'll just look through either Instagram or a photo book or something else until I see something that I've never done before, but that catches my attention mm-hmm. and that like, could I, could I take a picture like that? Could I find a way to frame it with, I don't know, however they used foreground or mm-hmm. uh, that, however they posed a model or something and then just see if you can replicate it. Because even if it's not some totally original idea to you, just doing that, and especially if it turns out well, you're going to say, hey, I can I can make something good. I've learned a new right. way of doing things. I can now incorporate this into yeah. everything else I know. And that sort of gets the, the ball rolling again. Yeah. I was thinking about it because I, I feel like there are, granted, you can go in, in a lot of different directions with this, but I feel like there are essentially two different sides to photography. Um, and then there's middle ground too, but you have architectural photography which I kind of lump in like landscape stuff in there. It's it's still in that general realm. And then you have portraiture slash street photography. Mm-hmm. One that is utilizing movement and and action to convey the image and one that is using stillness and lack of motion yeah. to convey. And I feel like there's, I mean, obviously there's everything in between there, but I feel like those are the two extremes. You have motion and you have no motion in, in kind of conveying the, um, the meaning behind a photograph. And so it's, it's interesting because there, I think a lot of us go toward one direction. Um, whether it's, Oh, I'm, I love taking pictures of people and models and, and, uh, action and all of that. And I love the, the shapes, the designs, the, the, way that the frame is broken up and things like that. And so kind of acknowledging where we, where we are in that continuum, I tend to be more toward the architecture and the, um, landscape side, partly because, yeah, because I, I love angles. I love shapes. I love ways that things can, I can use negative space and and fill in a, a frame and, and all of that. Partly also because I, tend to not be on the outgoing side of things, which may not come through on the podcast or for people who know me, but like, I don't tend to be the type of person to walk up to someone and say, Hey, can I take your picture? Mm -hmm. And so uh, knowing that has definitely changed the way that I photograph over the past year or so, because I realized that my rut has been to stay comfortable with things. Mm -hmm. And so my lack of comfort is going up to people taking portraits of people taking these street photos. And I think for someone on the other side, they might say, you know, my comfort level is having movement, which conveys that, that motion, that energy. How do I get energy out of a building, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there's, I think depending on which side you are kind of acknowledging where you are in that, that lineup Mm -hmm. and seeing which direction you need to lean more to grow as a photographer can be a cool exercise. It definitely helped me 
to kind of, it's still helping me. And now you're an expert. And now, now I know everything. And that's why I had, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's, it's something that I have to acknowledge every day. Like when we went shooting in Robbins, you walked right up to the people and said, Hey, do you mind if I take your phone? I would, granted, I was dressed not for doing yeah. what we were doing. I was in chinos and a button down shirt. And we're in this area that's very run down. And I look exactly like the opposite of the type of person that should be like, there was no level of like, Oh, maybe he's, you know, sympathetic or it's, it's like, no, he looks like he's out to exploit people, mm-hmm. which wasn't the goal. <laughs> not at all. But that's exactly how I looked. Daniel was much more, um, was, was dressed more for the street photo. More game. hood. And we ended up having an awesome conversation with these people yeah, learning really the story was. about this building that burned down while people were, I believe residents were inside as it was, Jeez. the fire was starting. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was a great moment of kind of learning the history of where we were shooting. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, the only photo we got of the people was actually of you, of me taken by the people. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> it was um, a, interesting. We were, he, it was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so wait, got, they, they took your camera and shot. You. So yeah, essentially I, we had this conversation. I said, would you guys mind if I took a picture of you? I, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting um, situation and I would, I would love to capture it for, for a project I'm working on. And, and the woman said, no, but can I take a picture of you? And I was like, sure. Just press the button on the top. It should and she uh, did. focus for you, yeah. and there, there it is. Yeah, we had a couple of people come up. We were taking a picture of a car too. Yeah, and someone came out. They're like, "Hey, is there a problem here?" It's like, "No, no, no, sorry, we're just uh, taking pictures of the car." <laughs> like, All right, cool, no and problem. Yeah. I've, I've gotten that in my uh, my neighborhood in Bridgeport. It's on the upswing, but there's uh, some slightly rougher parts, yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, it it's not considered cool to just go take pictures of things. Everybody always thinks Get that you must be out. running some angle. Yeah, exactly. Funny. I know. Hopefully, ho- hopefully after Some a while. Angle. Yeah, yeah. angle, yeah, I know. We've, we've had a lot of fun puns in this in this episode. So. Um, Could you see like one photographer that's inspiring us currently? Hmm. Just one that comes to mind that's like, oh, I've been loving so and so. Sure, sure. I mean, mine like mine isn't um, super surprising. There's a, a photographer on Instagram that I follow a lot. Um, his name is Benjamin Hardman. And he does a lot of work in Iceland, but it's it's definitely like I have I have yet to see another photographer, a modern photographer whose landscape shots I like as much because it's it's utilizing the shapes of nature. Mm. So it's an iceberg, but not like a random, you know, shot of an iceberg that's just a landscape shot. It's like, no, he's using the, the angles to it, it's almost like it almost reminds me of like Picasso, yeah. but with nature that's amazing um so it's like the, the shapes and and all of that so yeah he's he's been one that i've followed for a while and uh and continue to yeah. yeah a photographer that i'm really pretty much constantly inspired by is a guy on instagram goes by first castle and he takes mainly photographs of cars almost exclusively on film and uh really like detail shots and um just obscure angles of uh, really obscure cars. Usually it's old, like old school Americana that he's photographing and he captures it in such a way that I just, I always just want to go pick up my camera and shoot. And I think the people like that, you know, people that you look at their photographs and they want you to, it makes you want to go out and shoot the people that we should be following, especially me. So, um, I said that in a very strange way. (laughs) Um, yeah, people that I think we should be following. Well, I said all of you guys inspire me all the time, but uh, 
I've been doing more uh, street photography, and I think Vivian Me- Me- Meyer, Mayer? Vivian Meyer, Vivian Meyer. I recently delved back into some of her yeah. pictures, and especially in China, I think her style was what I had in the back of my mind yeah. pretty much the whole time. Yeah, your black and white stuff from China is top tier. Thank you. Yeah, I really don't have anybody right now. No one in particular, just just us. Yeah, just you guys. Just like <laughs> I like old John Henry. I'm inspired by all of you guys. Who's the last person that you saw photograph on Instagram? And you're like, I'm gonna follow this guy or gal. Uh, man, it was she's dead. I don't Not Vivian Meyer. Name. She was the one that took pictures of like the Great Depression. Ooh. Um, I forget her name, but she was she shot some photos that were on time. But it's it was when I started going down the rabbit hole of. Yosemite and then through Angela Adams and Angela Adams to another photographer and I forgot her name. So hmm. I'm sure someone out there is like, well, yeah. remem- try and remember and then come back to us on the next episode. Sounds good. It I'll see you guys in one year. Open. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. Thank you all for listening. Like I said before, go to our website, thatvintagelens.com. Go to our Instagram, our Facebook. We're trying to um, be present uh, in all the ways that it makes sense online. So, But that hub, thatvintagelens.com, you can find the blog, you can find the podcast, you can find a little bit um, of the, the photography that we do. And soon we're going to have bios up of all of us so that you can kind of see some of our background. Um, and feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions, if you're like, hey, look, you know, what would work best for me? I'm in a rut. So feel free to reach out to us at podcast at thatvintagelens.com. That's podcast at thatvintagelens.com. We'll be sure to respond. Be sure to like our photos, comment, say hello. We love it when people say hello. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.